You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. into the form of a servant, washing the feet of those whose sins he would eventually die for. Makes an interesting picture in your brain, doesn't it? Why did he do that? Well, he demonstrated for us how we then are to act towards one another in love and humility. He was demonstrating to his disciples, this is how you are to act one to another. What would this world look like if believers modeled the humility and love that Jesus demonstrated as he washed his disciples' feet? In today's message, Pastor Dave will challenge us to humble our hearts and look at the people around us with even a fraction of the grace that our Savior looks at us with. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he begins his message, Do You Not Believe? I'm going to read from verse 1 through 11 in chapter 14. So if you'd like to follow along silently as I read aloud. Gospel of John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So I guess my question is, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? It sounds like a strange question asked in church. It sounds like a very strange question to ask in church. Do you believe in Jesus? But it also sounds like the same question as, do you believe in Santa Claus? Do you believe in aliens? But the question, do you believe in Jesus, is asking so much more. It's asking so much more. 
It's not just asking, do you believe that Jesus Christ exists or existed? It's not what it's asking. The true meaning of the question, do you believe in Jesus Christ, is asking you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is who the Bible claims him to be? And are you trusting him as your Savior? And that's the question that I want to answer today. That's the question that is on my heart as I look at these scriptures. This is basically the question that Jesus is coming back at Philip with. We started this question and answer thing at the Last Supper in chapter 13 when Jesus wanted to share the Passover with his disciples. He told a couple of them to go and find a place and prepare the feast so that they could have one more dinner together. It was a Passover meal that Jesus wanted to share with his beloved disciples. He knew it was his last one and he wanted to spend some time with them, quality time, because he still had things he wanted to teach them. And oh, as we've read through, what a dinner it was. What a glorious time it was. But the disciples just never seemed to get it. They never seemed to grasp the meaning of what was going on because they spent the entire time arguing over who was great, which one of them was the greater. But Jesus had something on his mind that he wanted to say. He had something on his mind that he wanted to do with his disciples. He had some things that he wanted to impart to them. He knew he wasn't going to be around very long. And he had some things that he wanted to show them because he knew what was going to happen after he left. So after supper, what does Jesus do? The first thing he does is he gets up, takes off his outer garment, and girds himself with a towel. Then he proceeds to get a basin of water, and he goes to each disciple, Judas included, and washes their feet. And here we have an act of supreme humility. The sovereign Lord, the sovereign Lord God, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, our master, our Lord, stooping into the form of a servant, washing the feet of those whose sins he would eventually die for. Makes an interesting picture in your brain, doesn't it? Why did he do that? Well, he demonstrated for us how we then are to act towards one another in love and humility. He was demonstrating to his disciples, this is how you are to act one to another. As the evening progressed, you know that he had to deal with Peter's ignorance and he had to correct him. You know that he identified his betrayer, one of you will betray me. And they all probably shuddered when he said that because he didn't say who, but we know it to be Judas Iscariot and he left immediately to do his dastardly deed. It was after then that Jesus really got down to business. It was after Judas left that Jesus now gets really down to business. And he tells his disciples, my time has come. My time has come. And soon I will be glorified and God the Father will also be glorified. I'm leaving you. And here he was speaking of his death. He was speaking of his crucifixion. And you can't follow me right now, but you will someday. You will follow me at another time. But I have a new commandment I want to give to you. I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. Love one another the way I have loved you. All will know that you're my disciples if you show love for one another. So Jesus is imparting these wonderful truths on them. But they can't hear these things because the only thing they hear is, I'm leaving. 
and they're terrified. They're terrified. Their hearts are broken. They don't know what to do with themselves. So Jesus looks at their faces. He sees their despair. He sees their hopelessness. And as we began chapter 14, it opened up with, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus wanted to be tender with them. He wanted to show them tenderness because he knew their hearts were troubled. He knew they were afraid. And he gives them, nay, I say, he gives us also the cure for a troubled heart. He gives us the cure for a troubled heart. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. What is Jesus saying? He's saying the cure for a troubled heart is faith. A true, strong faith in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying to help the troubled heart along, you need to have faith. Why? Because faith produces hope. Faith produces hope. Hope of an eternity spent with him forever. I'm going to go away, but I'm coming back for you. And I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you with me so that where I am, you can be. And hope doesn't disappoint. This all confused them. He says, you know the way I'm going. You know where I'm going, and you know the way. Thomas was sitting there scratching his head. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. What do you mean you're going? We don't know where we're going. We don't know the way. And then Jesus makes this profound incredible statement. This, it is probably one of the most profound statements that Jesus made. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. What a claim. What a, what a monstrous claim to these disciples that he had in his mix. And then he goes, if, you've known, if, if, if you have known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, on, you will know him and you've seen him. And now it triggers something in Philip. Philip is confused now. Philip wants to get into the mix. Well, if Thomas spoke up, I can speak up. So Philip now wants to get into the mix. And he doesn't seem to understand who Jesus is. There's a misunderstanding there. Now imagine he spent three years with Jesus. And he still does not know who Jesus is. Because his statement clarifies that. Lord, show us the Father. That's sufficient for us. Just show us the Father. That's all we want. It's not a bad question. But Jesus looked at him and he probably smiled and said, Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't know me? That you don't know? And then he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A great story about Helen Keller's teacher, Ann Sullivan. She had been teaching Helen about the proper names for physical objects in sign language. So she attempted to explain God to Helen, and so she takes her hand and she forms the name Jesus in sign language. And Helen signs back, thank you for telling me God's name, teacher, for he has touched me many times. I always knew he was there, but I didn't know what his name was. Helen, in her blindness, saw the Father better than Philip could after spending three years with Jesus. I just caught you up. This is where we are. Jesus is not only challenging Philip, but he's going to challenge us also. He's going to challenge us with these words. Do you not believe? Do you not believe? And what he's going to do is in the scripture, he's going to provide for us two solid foundational truths. 
two solid foundational truths that which we can believe upon to know that Jesus is who he is, that Jesus is who he claims to be. And the two truths are his person and words that he speaks or the works that he miraculously did. These are the two things that Jesus is going to tell Philip that he needs to believe in, to believe that Jesus is who he is. Look at 10 verse A. Now, he's still speaking to Philip, and it's going to change here in a minute. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? What's interesting here is the Lord changes words. The Lord changes words. Does anybody pick up on it? In the last section, he said, if you'd known me, you'd have known the Father. Now he's saying, if you believed in me, see, he uses a different, why? Because it's one thing to know him, it's another thing totally different to believe in him. Totally different. Then now he has that. And he uses the Greek word postoyo. It means to place your faith in, to put your full trust in, to believe. Someone once said, quote, one can only know spiritual truth by approaching it through the door of faith, unquote. What was the problem? Jesus failed to understand that Jesus revealed the Father. So Jesus challenges his belief. Do you not believe? And then he presents Philip with the first foundational truth, which is we can trust in his word. We can trust in his words. Look at 10b. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The words aren't mine. I'm speaking what the Father is speaking. Now, have you ever noticed the great importance God places upon his word? I mean, all through the Bible, God places a major importance about hearing his word, obeying his word, doing his word. It's very, very prevalent. And Jesus himself in Matthew 24, 35 said this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. His words are going to remain forever. His words are eternal, and we're going to get to that in a minute. In Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What is the powerful thing about God's word. It's the spiritual lifeblood of the human race. God's word is our spiritual lifeblood. Why? Because of three things. Number one, God's word brings salvation. God's word brings salvation. Look at 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So God's word brings salvation. Number two, God's word produces faith, one that we kick around all the time. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We all know that one. We all quote that one. And finally, three, faith produces spiritual growth. In 1 Peter 2, 2, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the word produces spiritual growth. Why? Because Jesus' words, God's words, are not only spirit, they're life. His words are spirit and life. In fact, he says that in John 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
Why are Jesus' words so powerful? Because they come from God the Father. Jesus doesn't say anything that God is not saying. They come from God the Father. In fact, they are so powerful, they are so meaningful, that when the entire group of disciples left Jesus and the twelve standing there, after he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, when they're all standing there, he turned to them and he said, will you leave me too? And Peter stands up and says in, in, in verse 68 of chapter 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. They understood that part of it. Even at a very early young age, even at a very, very early young age, way back in Luke 4, Jesus spoke as one having authority. He spoke as one having knowledge and authority. In fact, it says that all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers, his words that were coming back at them. They were astonished. Where did this 12-year-old get this knowledge? How did this happen? What Jesus is saying here is he is emphasizing everything that we've been reading in the Gospel of John, that Jesus lived, and he spoke in constant dependence upon God the Father. He did nothing outside the realm of God the Father. Nothing outside. And you can find that in John 5, 19. And you can find that in John 8, 28. So here he calls on his disciples to believe in him. Not only to believe to him, but believe in him. The commentator said, faith includes the recognition that what Jesus says is true. We have to believe in his words. Jesus is challenging his disciples. And, you know, folks, he's challenging you today. He wants us to believe, to place our trust in, to place our hope in, to place our faith in, to place everything we have. His words prove that he is one in the Father. His words prove that. His words claim that to support. Was he expecting an answer from Thomas? I mean, Philip? Yeah, I think he was expecting an answer from Philip. And guess what, folks? He's expecting an answer from you, too. He's expecting an answer from you too. Do you not believe? There's a question there. He's waiting for an answer. Do you not believe? Do you not believe that the Father is me and I am in him? Do you not believe that we are one? The words I speak should testify of that. The words I speak should tell you that I and he are one. In fact, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, John is writing, and we studied it at great length, John begins his chapter with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then when you get down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Why? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is the word that come down and became flesh. He is the living word. Okay, but that might not suffice. You might not feel comfortable with that. 
Then Jesus gives you another foundational truth. He gives you another foundation on which you can build on. Another foundation that's going to say, these claims I'm making are true. Look at 11. Believe that I believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. So Jesus is saying, believe my words. All right, if you can't believe my words, at least believe the works that you see. The works that you've seen me do. All along, he's been saying, these works bear witness of me. These works bear witness that I am the Son of God. I am who I say I am. I am the Son of God. They claim to be true. So I have to ask you, according to Scripture, what were the works of God? Jesus says, I'm doing the works of God. I'm doing them, and you've seen them. You guys have been with me for three and a half years. You've seen the works of God. What were the works of God? Well, in Matthew 11, we find that John the Baptist is in jail. John the Baptist is in jail, and he's waiting execution. And he's kind of concerned. He's kind of worried about Jesus and his ministry. And he's kind of, kind of concerned. And listen to what happens here in 11. We're just going to read verses 1 through 6. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John, this is John the Baptist, had learned in prison or heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two disciples to him and said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? This is a good question. This was a logical question. John wanted to know for sure. And Jesus answered and said, Go tell John the things which you hear, words, and the thing you see, works. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. These are the works of God, and Jesus is doing them. The works that Isaiah said that would happen by the Messiah. Remember that verse, heal the brokenhearted? I've come to heal the brokenhearted. So that verse right there, Jesus is pointing to the evidence of his works, the evidence of his commission that his person, that he has the authority. And he's pointing to the Father. He's pointing to the works. He tells Jesus that these works should prove that I'm from the Father. Even the Sadducees and the Pharisees knew that Jesus' work was from the Father. They knew they were, they were, they were holy. They wouldn't do anything. The works I do, they testify of me. They're evidence. He was fulfilling promises of the Old Testament. The death hearing, the dead being raised, etc. This is God's work in a needy world. He said, I'm doing the work of the Father. I'm doing these works. Believe me or believe the works. Even at Jesus' crucifixion, even at Jesus' crucifixion, there were a group of soldiers guarding the crosses. There was a group standing around Jesus' cross. Jesus was on the cross. They heard his words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They heard his conversation with the thief. Today, you will be with me in paradise. They saw the way he died. They watched him die. They saw it. They heard it. You are assured. Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.